This is It Is What It Is, a podcast gumbo featuring Max Lit. What's going on, y'all? So uh, we're back. Uh, I got to keep saying it because it means a lot to me. Uh, I'm glad I'm back as soon as I've been able to be back um, bringing y'all more up-to-date content, more content, however you want to put it. I'm probably going to say that until it becomes a habit, but I'm glad y'all here listening. Appreciate y'all being here with us, with me, Max Lit, on the It Is What It Is podcast gumbo. So a lot is uh, going on in the news. Uh, I feel like whenever I start, I always say there's a lot going on because there is. And I was sitting here trying to decide on what I was going to talk about even really just deciding um, whether I was going to do the podcast or not, just today, um, with everything that's going on, you know, a lot on the mind, heart is heavy, brain is heavy, um, and I just know that a lot of people are feeling the same way, so I figured I would just see where it goes, you know, just kind of follow along with what's happening, and just check in, so um, as most of us probably already heard about the mass shooting in Texas at the school. Um, I believe there was uh, 19 children shot and killed. I'm gonna make sure I'm giving the right information um, as we go along here. Uh, school. And you know, I do everything on the fly here, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, 19 children, two, two adults. Um, Killed in the Texas, uh, is it Uvalde or Ovalde? Uh, Texas, Ovalde, Ovalde, Texas. Um, it's amazing. Uh, you know, we just had a shooting in Buffalo. And apparently the day after this shooting, there was another uh, attempted shooting that was kind of thwarted, if you want to say that, or stopped before it happened um, just the day after this particular one. Um, and so, of course, when stuff like this happens and, you know, the debate starts to to gain traction, people are talking about gun control and how can we do, what can we do to prevent this? And then there's talk about everything else that is being uh, emphasized in the news or in politics. And there's a whole lot of stuff swirling around the, 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 the topic or the issue itself. Um, and then, you know, if you on the socials, checking out Twitter, you know, you see people, regular people, uh, or if you listen to other podcasts like I was listening today, you know, this type of stuff tends to kind of seep in to uh, the lives of, you know, people that we listen to, people that we follow, uh, celebrities, famous people, you know, because these events affect all of us. And so you start hearing or seeing uh, people with kids. You know, expressing how difficult it is for them to take their kids to school, you know, a day, 24 hours after something like this happens. And as a person that doesn't have kids um, or, you know, I have a a niece who doesn't live here. She lives in Jamaica. Um, But these things weigh heavily upon parents because they have to now think, you know, is something going to happen to my kid at school? And I think parents already think about that. But. I can venture to say 
that maybe something like this isn't on their mind until it happens. And that makes sense. You know, um, I worked at an airport for almost seven years and I never thought about an active shooter situation until there was one in Orlando. When that uh, situation happened out there, I think that was maybe, what, four or five years ago. Um, and the way people respond to things, you realize that people aren't thinking about stuff like that until it happens. Uh, so, of course, now the, the big thing dominating the news or, you know, where people chime in their opinions and stuff is what can we do to prevent it? And then that pops up a lot of different things. And I've had... A couple of conversations um, regarding this over the past 24 or 48 hours. And, you know, there really isn't a concrete way, at least, you know, that anybody can think of right away um, to prevent this from happening. Right. We all have a bunch of ideas. And, you know, if we take the ideas and take the, 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 the situations and take the events like this, as serious as we should, then I'm pretty sure we can come up to some sort of um, way to prevent them. Or can we? I don't know. That's something that I think about a lot when these things happen. Um, talk about gun control. And one of the things I've seen a lot of over the course of 24 hours when you listen to the news or you watch the news or you just kind of browse online on, on Twitter, whatever, is people talk about how, you know, other countries, this doesn't happen in, in other countries when it comes to school shootings. And I don't know if that's accurate or not. I've never seen um, a mass shooting at a school being reported from another country, but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Um, but of course, there's no way for us to really know that unless we know people in other countries. And, you know, I... I, I venture to ask for anybody who's listening if you know someone in another country um ask them you know does this kind of stuff happen where you're from um and whether it does or it doesn't doesn't really give us an answer to why it happens here um and why it happens so often i know sandy hook was i'm not sure if it was more than 10 years ago i'm gonna look it up while i'm talking um, but we see the outcry on that was pretty substantial as it is with this particular shooting. Um, December 14th, 2012. So yeah, just less than 10 years ago, uh, that happened. And I remember, you know, you hit, you, it was, it was, you know, uproar about it of, as it should be. Um, but then it, you know, life moved on for everyone, except probably those deeply affected by that shooting. And you didn't hear a lot about it much, too much further after it happened. But now we're hearing about it again. And uh, I remember maybe about six months ago, someone just had mentioned it on social media, the Sandy Hook shooting. And it probably was in relation to another mass shooting that happened. And... Um, you know, they, they were trying to figure out, you know, 10 years later, we haven't really seen a whole lot of changes. So what is it going to take for something like this to actually spur some real change in our country uh, regarding gun control? And gun control is like a, a, a 
really sensitive topic. Um, I think probably, and this is just my opinion as to why it is such a sensitive topic, is because a lot of the tragedies that happen in this country involve guns. You know, if it's not uh, 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 a neighbor shooting someone else or, you know, in the cases of unarmed black men and women being killed outside of the, you know, the, the police situations that happen, um, it's, you hear about it, guns, gun control, all that stuff. Um, but then you also hear about people's right to bear arms and the right to defend their family and this, that, and the other. And I personally don't own a gun. I know people that do own guns. Um, I've made jokes about people who <laughs> own guns. Um, but I've also understood, you know, the point of view of those who, um, have guns and, and feel they want to have the freedom to own as many guns as they, uh, want as a person who probably will never own a gun. I can definitely understand, um, the side of people who don't feel like it's necessary for them to have a gun. My personal reasons why I don't have a gun is like, cause I'm a scary dude as far as, you know, I, I, I'm nervous, you know, I scare easily. So I often feel like if I'm in a situation where I feel like I'm, my life is in jeopardy, I might pop off and, and next thing you know, I done acted in, you know, a knee jerk reaction or in haste or whatever. And then, you know, it's a, it's a bad situation. I would rather not put myself in that situation, but I also understand a person that has a gun in their home for protection for their family. Um, I have a couple of friends who have numerous guns in their home and they go to the shooting range. I've been to the shooting range with a few of them. Um, and I know in my mind, I often like, wow, you know, <laughs> Well, you know, is it a necessity to have all these guns? Uh, but, you know, people have hobbies. And so that's, you know, one of their hobbies. Is they collect guns and they go to the shooting range and they shoot with their kids. And, you know, they're safe with their guns. Um, I've never heard of an incident occurring to where one of the kids got to one of the guns. You know, the stuff that we hear about when it comes to some of these shootings, sometimes there are situations where there are guns in the home. And that's how the kid got the gun, took it to school and... You know, there you go. So there's, there's a lot on both sides, and I get that. Um, one of the things that often happens when these events occur is that it becomes a big topic for politicians. And not so coincidentally, uh, we're in a bit of an election season, depending on where you're located. Um, there are senators, governors, um, other rep types of representatives, uh, politicians that are up for election, re-election, etc. Uh, and a couple of them are using this topic. Uh, I don't know if, if it's fair to say as a political tool, um, but, you know, some of them are. And there's one individual, I don't know exactly, um, I, I, in my mind I have an idea of who the person is, but I don't want to give the wrong information as usual, so I'm looking that up. But apparently this individual uh, stepped into a town hall meeting of some sort. Um, and I guess they were talking about the uh, uh, is it Beto O'Rourke uh, interrupted a news conference to tell Governor Abbott, uh, I guess the governor of Texas, that this is on you. And um, politically... You know, politicians, they, they, they're strategic. They, they, they find their ways to use things that are happening 
um, to their advantage to push their message or their agenda for better or for worse. Um, and I saw a remark about this particular situation with Beto O'Rourke interrupting that um, news conference, excuse me, where people were uh, saying, how dare you use this as a political moment or turn this into a politicized event. And I thought that was pretty hypocritical uh, because it seems like anytime something like this happens, uh, it becomes a political uh, thing because the, the, the thing that centers around or is, becomes the center of these types of events are the policies in place that kind of contribute to them happening. Uh, so we move back to, to, to the idea of gun control. Um, I'm not a politician. I'm nowhere near legislation. Uh, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, I hear about certain laws and I don't know a whole lot about them. I don't know what all the laws in Texas are. Um, I know last year from this article that I'm reading, um, Governor Abbott signed into law legislation that allows most Texans to carry a handgun without a permit. Um, that's one thing that I can honestly say that I don't think should be allowed. You know, you shouldn't be able to carry a handgun without a permit, but whatever. Um, you tend to wonder, like in the case of uh, a couple of individuals who have been shot and killed by police officers, uh, at the moment, unarmed, uh, I believe it was Philando Castile who had a gun in his glove box that he was permitted to have, um, but it was in the glove box. He told the police officer that there was a gun in the glove, the, a gun in the glove box, and you know the details about that have been sketchy over the course of time as well. But um, you know he didn't he didn't have the gun in his possession when he like you know in his hand he wasn't pointed at nobody when he was shot and killed. Uh, so it begs to, to, to wonder whether having a permit or not even matters in situations like that. But I guess that's, you know, when it comes down to the legality of everything, uh, I personally just feel like, you know, having a handgun, you definitely should have a permit or it should be required for you to have a permit. So that leads to questions about the ability of this individual who was involved in the shooting. And unfortunately, as far as information goes and trying to figure out why he decided to do this, uh, he's dead. You know, he was killed uh, during that process. So we don't have a way to um, find out exactly why this happened. Or, or, or the, and the details are still coming out as far as, you know, how he purchased a gun. You know, I, I read a report today that Initially, it was talked about that he had um, all his body armor on, and now there are reports saying that he didn't. There's reports that are talking about how the police officers uh, in that area, and it's, again, sketchy to um, find out the facts right now, but these officers were either in the area or, you know, just happened to have students uh, or kids who were students at that school. Uh, there are reports are saying that those officers went in and got their kids um, while other parents were being restrained, while the officers who were responding uh, anywhere between 40 and 90 minutes before they actually went in, like the parents were hearing gunshots and nobody was acting. So there's a lot that's coming out of this now 
that um, I guess over the course of time, we'll find out exactly what happened as far as the response goes and, and what was actually going on in the school when this was going on. But I'm, I'm mentioning all this to say, you know, with all the details and all the, you know, trying to figure out who did what and, 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 and what wasn't done and this, that, and the other, we're still left to figure out what can we do to prevent something like this from happening. Um, when you think of adults and even with, you know, the, the unarmed black men and women, and in some cases, young children uh, who were shot and killed by police, there are several uh, obvious, or you would think is obvious, uh, ways to prevent that. And even in the face of obvious ways that you can uh, implement better training, uh, you know, defunding the police, you know, redirecting additional resources from police departments to other uh, areas of need or programs in those communities that could benefit from that extra money that's not going to or at least is seen as not going to training uh, officers better in situations like that. Um, even in the in the face of those obvious things that can be done, nothing changes. Nothing has changed, right? You know, we still have these these incidents occur. Uh, just so happened that I think George Floyd's murder uh, was a day or two before. The um, actual this, this this school shooting in in Texas, so that's ironic, not connecting the two at all, but it's just ironic that that actually was the case. Um, and in in my eyes, it just shows how often situations like this do occur. Um, and the, I mean, guns are a big part of of our country's makeup, as it were. Um, uh, I was talking to Davlin. I've mentioned Davlin a bunch of times. Everybody knows that's my housemate friend. Um, and, and we have conversations about current events and, you know, social climate because of the work that we do. Um, so we're constantly talking about things like this. And, um, she mentioned the constitution and how, you know, the right to bear arms that was listed, uh, in the constitution uh, <laughs> when you think about when the Constitution was written, uh, it was almost absolutely necessary for people to have guns during that time. And we're, we're, we're not talking about, you know, automatic assault rifles um, back in the times where the Constitution was written. Uh, we're talking about, like someone, <laughs> I saw on Twitter today, uh, someone made a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Good point. You know, I often find myself searching for words when I could just say something simple like, made a good point. Um, that the guns that they were talking about then were basically slingshots um, compared to the guns that are usually involved in these types of situations. Um, and I often find myself asking, you know, what's the need for a person to have an arsenal of guns? automatic assault rifle, military-style uh, weapons in their home. And, um, again, not knocking anybody that does have these types of weapons in their home, but there really isn't a need for it. I mean, that's, that's my opinion, but it's kind of a fact, right? If you are protecting your family 
you can do that pretty pretty well with a handgun. Now, if the person that's breaking into your home or for some reason, you know, threatening your safety in your home um, has an assault rifle, you know, a handgun is not going to do that much. But that leads to my next point. So why are these types of weapons available to regular people? And I'm not getting on a soapbox about it. I'm not trying to, like, you know, hold gun shop owners and people who sell people guns to people accountable for for having these weapons available because it's it's not they're not the reason why the guns are available our government is the reason why the guns are available and i don't want this to turn into uh me railing against uh the government supplying guns to average citizens it's not what this is about I'm just kind of parsing through um how to find a solution to this situation which is basically an ongoing thing um that has been going on for all of my life and i'm 42 and it has been going on well before um i came around um my earliest memory of a sort of terrorist plot that was uh committed by a citizen of our country was the oklahoma city bombing in 19 i think that was what 1990 no that wasn't 1997 I'm going to look that up. But it was Timothy McVeigh. I remember that um, very vividly. I don't can't remember whether I was in school, like in school that day um, when it happened. I Part of me feels like um, I was in school when it, the report went out. So it's probably an accurate uh, memory of that. But um, I remember that's the first time that I was like, I remember thinking, why would an, a citizen of this country do something like that? That was uh, April 19, 1995, Timothy McVeigh. Um, and ever since then, as far as my memory serves, I'm sure there was more before that. I was about 15 when that happened. Uh, so you think about, we, I was talking with Davlin about um, the Columbine shooting. And um, how, you know, that changed a lot of things as far as uh, how, I believe that was in a movie theater. So you started seeing metal, metal detectors pop up in movie theaters. Um, and I remember saying to that one, I was like, well, the truth of the matter is, you know, there wasn't this outcry of, um, oh, we got to do something about access to guns. Before this, because growing up in New York, movie theaters were getting shot up all the time. <laughs> and I don't mean to make light of that, but I remember growing up in New York and it wasn't, you know, my parents didn't allow us to go to the two movie theaters uh, in, in our location in Queens that was known for um, having things like that occur uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, or mid 80s, early 90s, there was a lot of gangster movies coming out, and, you know, a lot of movie theaters wasn't showing these movies, because it was uh, almost, you could, you could, you could bet that if this movie was shown, there was going to be a shooting, and then there were, uh, but I don't, I also don't remember 
and and again, that was so in the late eighties, early nineties, I was about ten years old, anywhere between eight and ten years old, and then throughout the nineties, um, you know, it, it waned a little bit because you know they started having metal detectors at the movie theaters, but again, didn't seem strange, didn't seem out of you know out of the ordinary. You would see it in the news, and it was just something that we were used to seeing, and I think it was because we didn't pay it the type of attention that something like that would garner now because it was New York. New York during that time was a violent place. Uh, stuff like that happened all the time. Even when it came to people being shot and killed by police. Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, that was happening on a much regular clip than you would imagine because the reporting wasn't as uh, extensive as the reporting is now about these things. So it wasn't unusual for he- for us to hear about uh, somebody getting shot and killed by police. The details were always a little fuzzy uh, because it was easier to hide information like that back then. Now, you know, those details are up front uh, or, at, you know, they have body cams on or, you know, someone's able to kind of speak on it and get it out to the news outlets pretty, pretty quickly before it can get squashed uh, nowadays. So, Uh, all of that to kind of look at where the priorities are um, when it comes to these types of events in comparison to, you know, them. Like, basically, this is not a new thing. Um, Even if you just start at Sandy Hook, you know, there's been a number of different situations that have occurred. These school shootings, fortunately, don't happen as often. Uh, but they've happened often enough to where now we're, we're, we're still trying to figure out why hasn't anything really been done to prevent it from happening. And I think the, where you can start is access. All right, so this kid was 18 years old. Um, I remember earlier when I was talking to Davlin about it, you know, Davlin made a point, and, and Davlin tends to make points about these things all the time as far as um, the way society will, um, or news outlets or anybody really, when talking about certain races of people in certain situations, um, identifying them as uh, children or adults, right? 18 years old kid, no uh, two ways about that, No, no cutting around whether or not that person is an adult or not. Uh, 18 years old, still a teenager, 19, teenager. And I'm, in, in my eyes, uh, anybody 25 or under, <laughs> still kind of a kid. Uh, so when you classify, and, and again, we talk about race, we talk about um, a number of different ways that change um, the way certain individuals are described or, you know, uh, what's the word? You, you know what I'm saying. The way they're depicted. There we go. Um, when it comes to certain things like this, that 18-year-old kid should not have had access to those types of weapons. Period. 18-year-old kids shouldn't have access to any type of firearms. Period. That's, I mean, that's not even a, that's not, for me, that's not even up for debate. Um, we have laws on alcohol. You can't drink until you're 21. We have laws on driving. You can't, you know, in some places you, 
the earliest you can get a permit is 15. Uh, I remember, I think I was 19, and my dad, no, yeah, I was 19 when I got my license. And I wanted to get it before that, but my dad was like, no, you graduate from high school first, then you get your license. So there's so many, you know, minor things that uh, we have age limits for. But for some strange reason, you know, at 18 years old, you can get a gun. Uh, however way you get a gun, you can get a gun. Um, I saw something, I think it was talking about Japan, to where to get a gun in Japan, you have to go through a background check, you have to have an interview with police, they want to know why you want to have a gun, what is your need for it, um, and then you go through some sort of training before you can actually get the gun. So <laughs> you, you go through all of these things and the reason for why you need this gun is part of the process, which I would imagine uh, limits the amount of guns that are on the street. In our country, you can get a gun from a over here guy, uh, back alley, anywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, 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 I'm picturing or visualizing, you know, somebody in a hoodie uh, going down a dark alley you know, to purchase a gun that you don't know where the gun came from and serial numbers scratched off. It's stuff like that. that that's very commonplace in this country. What's well, just as commonplace in this country is you go walk into a pawn shop and buy a gun and you have to fill out a form in some, some cases, in some cases you don't. Um, and that background check, from what I understand, uh, talking to people who have purchased guns this way, uh, is not very extensive. And no one asks, for the most part, why do you need this gun? Um, I, I, I often talk about, in, when it comes to guns in our country, people who hunt, and I'm, I'm, I'm really not on either side of hunting, because I don't really know a whole lot about it. I'm not going to you know, stand on the side against hunting. I'm not going to stand on the side for hunting. But it makes sense if you hunt for food or, I mean... Some people hunt for sport, and I'm, uh, I have my feelings about that. Uh, but, you know, legit reasons to have a gun. Outside of that, that's where it kind of gets a little murky. Um, and I'm sure, you know, there are people much more versed in on this topic than I am that can make an argument for why they feel like every American should have a gun in their home. Um, you know, not one of those people, but when it comes to preventing again, and that's going to be a major, I guess, theme of this conversation, um, there's gotta be something that we can do. Um, and you know, the average citizen really can't do much except vote and, our legislators, there are some that are, you know, proponents of gun control, but a lot of those proponents of gun control wouldn't be able to tell you how the plans that they have in place could prevent something like this. And, and again, like I said at the outset, the, there isn't a clear-cut answer to how we can prevent this from happening. But if we had some things in, in place that were very strict and very stringent and, and, you know, doesn't allow for loopholes like buying a gun at a gun show 
where you don't have to have any documentation at all in a lot of cases, uh, if not all cases, um, that shouldn't be a possibility, right? You know, you have laws about transporting guns over state lines. Uh, I remember when, when the Kyle Rittenhouse thing occurred, there was a question of whether or not that person uh, did bring guns over the state line. And I think I read somewhere where it was said, and I don't know the, valid the validity of this report, but that he didn't travel across state lines with the gun, but he did travel across state lines to get the gun and then do what he did. And he got off. Um, they couldn't do anything with that situation because whatever loopholes needed to be um, done, he was able to do. Someone bought the gun for him that lived uh, in the, the, the area where the shooting took place. Uh, so he was smart enough to know that he couldn't cross state lines to, to with the gun, but he was able to get the gun. So like I said, loopholes, there are so many things that are out there that allow for access. And then once the access is had, then, you know, it's just a matter of a decision to, to, to do harm to other people. And then in this case, it's, it's children. Those, those kids didn't do anything to deserve that. No one in that situation did anything to deserve that. Those parents took their kids to school that day and probably didn't think one bit that they weren't going to see their children um, when they went to go pick them up. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I feel like you can't have this conversation if you don't talk about the way stuff like this is received and then how we talk about it later. This deserves all the attention it's getting. Any shooting of innocent individuals deserves the same level of attention. And I'm, I'm not going to you know, debate too much about that. But one thing I did recognize is, you know, when they had the shooting in Buffalo, um, where it was mostly black people that were shot and killed, you know, initially that topic, and these were adults that were shot and killed, um, that was the talk of the town, as it were, for about two days, maybe three. Um, and I talked about this in the last podcast. And then, you know, we, that it, it really didn't come up in the news for the most part until this occurred. And I feel like that's part of the problem as well. The reaction to things like this aren't consistent across the board. And they should be because regardless of how old the victims are, you know, what their nationalities are, you know, who their families are, what part of the country they're in, they all deserve the same level of attention and the people in those communities deserve the same level of protection so that these things don't happen. And I think it's imbalanced because the reaction is different. And, you know, you could talk forever about why that's the case, but at the end of the day, there has to be something done. So now the idea or the, 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 the subject of mental health comes in. And this is something that normally is also different based upon who the shooter 
or the perpetrator of a crime or whatever is. And, you know, there have been cases with individuals where you'll go as far as to say, oh, so this person was bipolar or that person had Asperger's disease or in some cases there's stuff that the, the general public doesn't really know about. And, you know, it's made the point that the person suffered from a level of mental illness, uh, mental, mental illness. And to be honest with you, anyone who would do something like a mass shooting um, or any real, like, shooting, you could claim or you could point to some level of mental illness. Like, I was, again, talking to Davlin um, about all of us, <laughs> right? You could probably line up 10 people and let's just say seven out of those 10 people could suffer from some level of mental health illness or mental health challenge or however you want to put it. It doesn't have to be super severe. Um, but life itself comes with a level of, 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 of mental health challenges. Um, and I feel like any, any individual that gets to the point where an event like a mass shooting takes place and, you know, they're the perpetrator, they're the, the, the person putting that into action, they're having a mental health crisis. So that doesn't absolve them from responsibility. Um, but we often see it as a major issue when it comes to, or depending on, you know, the, the shooter's background or the shooter's racial identity. Um, apparently the shooter in Texas is Hispanic and most, if not all of the victims were Hispanic. Uh, once I found that out, I, you know, automatically I'm thinking, oh, okay, so this is going to be uh, a debate or a conversation, or it's going to be politicized, and somehow immigration reform is going to come into this, or whatever, because that's what happens. The the main subject of whatever the tragedy was ends up being kind of pushed to the side, and there's another thing that comes up. And we, we, we never get to a solution. We never get to a solution. Um, and it always happens. And I guess, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, so, you know, if there isn't a solution or there's not a, a ready, you know, or a, a obvious solution to the situation, what do we do? Excuse me. I think at the end of the day, we just got to care more. Um, I tweeted earlier today that the pandemic um, basically showed me, if and, and I know a lot of people that would agree, that we don't care about people. We really don't. As 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 a, as a country, as a you know, globally to some degree, um, we don't care enough about each other. Um, when you talk about the pandemic. The, the first thing that once, you know, people got serious about it, um, the one thing that was mentioned was, hey, if you wear a mask, you can prevent the transmission of the disease. So, you know, the mask really isn't for you. I mean, it provides a level of protection, 
but it's really to prevent you from giving COVID to the people that you come in contact with. An act of kindness. And so many people ran with that. You're not gonna be, you're not gonna tell me that I have to wear a mask. You know, and initially it wasn't, no, we're not telling you you have to. We're we're saying you should, so that you, if you if somehow you've got COVID, you don't transmit it to the person in front of you at the grocery store. And that was a big deal. So when you when you look at that in comparison to people who when you talk about gun control, like you're not gonna take away my right to have and bear arms. It's like we're not trying to. What we're saying is that having such easy access to weapons makes it very easy for events like this to occur at the rate that they're occurring. And it becomes less about the situation and less about the tragedy and more about people's individual rights, which is usually how things like this turn out. You know, when you, when you think about um, people who are fighting for the right to have an abortion, um, it does, it, it, the conversation always goes away from a person's right to do whatever it is that they want to do with their body, and it becomes a, a moral issue or a political issue, right? And the issue gets kind of pushed to the side. When you talk about gun control, same thing. You talk about even now with the pandemic still kind of, not kind of, still being a thing. You know, you have states uh, either backing off the mandates or totally getting rid of them because we got to get people back to work and we got to get the economy going. You know, even something is what may, what, well, what generally should be insignificant um, we talk about gas, right? Read a report that, you know, they were planning to push gas even higher because the summer season of travel was coming, but because gas is just too expensive, people are deciding the demand basically dipped lower than they anticipated, or if they anticipated a, a, a decrease in demand at all. So now they're like, oh, well, we might not be able to do it. It just, that really just goes to show the level of, of um, how much we care about each other. And I know that to, to some people that might be like, oh, you're reaching. Yeah, I am reaching. Because it's like certain things like that that may seem like it's an insignificant thing kind of is a microcosm of the bigger picture. Um, if we really cared, like if our politicians really cared, you know, if we really cared, we would push our politicians to 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 make these changes. Um, think about it. Back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, segregation, you know, of course, black people and people who were affected by segregation, they cared about being segregated. They wanted they they didn't want to be segregated. They didn't want to, you know, deal with the Jim Crow laws. But of course, there was a group of people who were like, no, the, these these laws are um, integral as far as who we are as a nation or who I am as a person. Did they care <laughs> that, you know, a, a black person could pass through a town and if they were there at the wrong time of day, they could be hung? They didn't because they felt that it was the right thing to do. Or there are people who felt like, you know, that might be wrong, but mm, 
it doesn't really affect me, so I'm not gonna worry about it. You know, I'm not gonna hang somebody from a tree, but if I see somebody or if I hear about it, I'm not gonna, you know, say they're wrong. Again, an extreme situation, but again, it also plays into the 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 fact that when it comes to things that we are passionate about that affect other people, it becomes more about us than the people that are affected. And in, in this situation, is no different. Um, we hear it, it's it's a much more aggressive push now because unfortunately we have to go back to another incident. We mentioned earlier in the podcast about Sandy Hook. We got to go back to that and say, all right, so 10 years ago this happened and we didn't change anything, so are we going to wait for it to happen again before we do something? Which is the exact reaction that we should have. But what are we going to do? Um, Steve Kerr, if you don't know, basketball coach in the NBA for the Golden State Warriors, um, who often uses his platform to express his outrage when things like this happens, um, was at a press conference before the game and basically was like, you know, what are we going to do? When are we, when are we going to do something? And he was very angry, very passionate about it. Um, I respect him for it. And I hope that him and other people who have the, the platform and the exposure that he does, um, they use that platform to kind of push our legislators to do whatever it is that they can to at least try to make sure that we can prevent a situation like this from happening. Again, not sure how or what can be done, but we can start with access. And I'm pretty sure that if, I mean, it's math, right? If we don't have access to weapons of that magnitude, then it decreases the chances that something like this will happen. And you can't get rid of all the guns. And a lot of people who are on the side of, don't take my guns away, those people will never have their guns taken away. We're talking about people, we're talking about making it harder for a person who doesn't own a gun or who's just buying a new gun to get that gun if there are reasons why those individuals shouldn't have them. And if you just do some homework... <laughs> You could you could see that this person should not have been able to access that type of weapon or any weapon at all. Um, there's also a report that the 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 young man, the kid, let's just get that straight because he was 18, he's a child, was stopped by um, a law enforcement officer at some point before the shooting happened. And again, very sketchy details, but. For whatever happened, he was allowed to move on from that interaction with police. And then he entered the, that school without any level of resistance. I'm watching the news now, and they're talking about um, the action that some of the officers that were on site, we talked about some of the officers were able to get their kids out of the school before anything happened. But other children were left in the school, which, again, sketchy details. I don't know what really happened because the report's still coming in. But it's just... It's just whenever something like this happens, there's a level of breakdown um, to the leading up to those of, to the tragedy, right? Somewhere, somehow, there was something that was missed. There apparently the this this person 
sent a message on Facebook or something like that that he was planning to shoot up a school. Somehow that got missed. Um, I remember I was talking to someone the other day, probably dabbling, uh, <laughs> and I was saying I thought we had people in place that monitor stuff like that. Um, but, you know, it was missed. And, and this tragedy occurred pretty much unencumbered. So my heart goes out to all the parents, not just the parents that were affected, by all means, the parents that were affected um, by this shooting, the ones who lost their kids. Uh, I was thinking about it earlier. You know, there are parents, grandparents, siblings um, who have children that they, they, they care about, that they take care of, that they, that they dropped off to school this morning, that now have a level of uh, trepidation or hesitancy um, because now it's, this is something that is very real. Um, I remember during when the Buffalo shooting happened, you know, a lot of people were expressing their fear of, oh, so now, you know, we got to think about going to the grocery store and whether someone's going to shoot people at the grocery store. Now, it's, I mean, it's becoming a thing where you walk out your door, you know, you got to take a lot of things in, into consideration uh, because you don't know what's going on in the minds of the people who are out there as well. Um, and any, it, it's, it's like anything could happen. So, again, hearts, you know, thoughts goes out to, to, to all those affected by this tragedy. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have kids, but I can only imagine if I did, uh, I probably would have been very hesitant to take my kids to school. There was a, a, a school shooting in our area um, either earlier this week or last week. Um, so even though it wasn't on the level of this shooting, it was still a shooting. You know, I, I, I'm pretty, I believe someone was uh, injured. I'm going to look it up real quick. But um, this stuff hits home. It, it hits home because it's not something so far out of the realm of possibility that we don't have to worry about it. Um, I, I remember when over the course of the last, what, six, to, well, no, it's been longer than that. It's probably been over the course of the past 10 years, really. But there was a period where it seemed like there was some sort of unarmed shooting of a, a, a shooting of an unarmed black woman, black man, woman, or child, excuse me, um, that was taking place so often that I know I was worried about being stopped by police um, and not walking away from the interaction. Uh, I got pulled over at one point, um, and the officer, you know, I, I joked around a little bit about it, but, you know, you get pulled over by a police officer, and, you know, the joke is, whatever whatever they tell you you did, you're like, nah, there's no way. Um, or, like, in my case, there was, I know I had a suspended license, and I was driving, I think my license was suspended, and it was something else that I knew. Um, but I ended up with six tickets. And so I'm just asking questions. And, of course, I'm upset because I got pulled over and late to work. The officer's upset because I'm questioning his authority. 
Um, but I remember being afraid, not afraid that, you know, I was going to go to jail or anything like that, but afraid that I was going to get shot because the officer was acting pretty erratically because I was asking him questions. That's something that, you know, because of what has happened, you have to worry about it because the school shooting happened. Parents worry about it. When, when, when we were younger and those movies were coming out, mom, mom did not allow us to go to those movie theaters because she was afraid that if she let us go, we would be in the middle of something like that. So these are things that, because of the events actually taking place, we have to worry about it. And there's, there's no way you can not worry about it if you have children. There's no way that you cannot worry about it if you know that there are people, police officers, um, just, I, I saw an incident about an individual who was shot, uh, this was an older case and it's, and it's still being litigated um, in the courts, um, but it was something to the effect of the, the police officer identified himself as, a, as an officer and then... It, there wasn't enough, he didn't give the, the person enough time to respond. He identified himself and started shooting. Uh, and that ended up being a debate over the training of those officers. So that's something you have to worry about because there are people who are not trained to handle conflict, but they have badges and they have guns, you know? So I know there's been a whole lot of talk about the violence of, of the school shooting and the violence of the unarmed shootings and the violence that we've seen over the past, at least the, the course of my life and then going back. But that's the history of our country. It really is. It really is. And the problem being that these problems exist, these instances keep occurring, but nothing is being done. And we have the outrage, right? We have people uh, in certain situations. There are protests. You know, there are lawmakers who, you know, they dig in their heels. They want to see things changed. And it's just when it comes to 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 gun control or policing or anything where where there's power and authority behind it, we talk about it. We get angry. We get upset. We move some furniture, but. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. So, uh, I didn't think the whole time that we had for the podcast today was going to be dedicated to that, but it is. It was. And, you know, it's, this is what's happening around us right now. So, I'm going to end it on that. Uh, hopefully, the next episode, we won't be talking about another incident that has occurred. Um, hopefully, we'll, we'll see some some progress when it comes to uh, trying to prevent, uh, event, trying to prevent things from, trying to prevent <laughs> things like this from happening. It is my hope that um, we make some some forward progress in that area because, as as tragic as any incident where loss of life occurs, it's just even more tragic when it's children, and and they're definitely. There's something that can be done to prevent that in the very least. So once again, I appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, this is Max Lit. The It Is What It Is, a podcast gumbo. 
And I will talk to you soon. Y'all be safe. Peace.